Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 on the Faith FM network. And you are joined by Danuta and my fabulous co-host for today is Lyle. Lyle, welcome to you. Good to have you here. (laughs) So good to be back, Danuta. It's been a while. It has been a while. Well, two or three weeks or so, but the good thing is, you know, you're back. But the not, not so good thing is that Lawson's not well today, so... Hey, hopefully he'll be better soon tomorrow. We've prayed for him this morning and just so pleased you're here. What are you grateful for? Oh, I so I went out to a dinner last night. Oh, which a was, dinner? Yes, yes. Good with Shaw? Uh, no. Oh. With a bunch of guys, actually. <laughs> <laughs> now, as a bunch of pastors, we went to a dinner with the New South Wales State Premier, Chris Minns. Fabulous. So we'll report on that a little bit later wow. on in the uh, news segment because I want to talk about things that are facing New South Wales right now. Mm-hmm. That'll be because interesting. Because there are very issues that are relevant for the whole of Australia. So, yeah, that'll be coming up further on in the show. And you personally got to meet him, Chris. Yes. Yes. Ah, and spoke he's, to him. Yes, spoke to him. He has uh, committed to come on the show. Oh, that's really exciting. So we need to lock him in for a date. Yes. <laughs> yep. Spoke to his press, uh, his uh, media secretary, whatever it is, and we're setting up the uh, setting up the appointment today. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Well, yes, it was a great event. Yeah. We're looking forward to you sharing that. We will, and I we guess will, we will be be able to talk to him about issues. Um, that face people of faith in New South Wales. Wow. Now, that's exactly what we need to be looking at because there are so many issues these days, as we've been raising on the show, haven't we, that people of faith are being impacted in very various ways around the world now, really, aren't they? So, And it used to be, you know, it was always assumed that people of faith were protected because they were the majority, and a majority never needs protection in legislation, but now we are a minority. That's right, and especially in Australia too, aren't we? Yes. Like, yeah, yes. In, in every way. So we're going to be looking forward to that segment that is coming up really shortly and coming up on our show today. We actually have our interview with Jennifer Skews on emotional health, which is always fabulous to have an interview with her. In our new segment, as you shared earlier, Lyle, Chris, you're going to be talking about your meeting with Chris Minns yesterday, and we're also looking at Mission for Returning Citizens. And in our Bible study time, we're continuing on God's Mission to Us Part 2. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And the angels joining us. I look forward to that great day in heaven. Hey, Lyle, it has come time for us to do our first quiz question for ah, this cool morning. Quiz. Yeah, Take yeah, it absolutely. away. All right, what was the meat that God gave to the Israelites in the wilderness? Mm, hey, so there could be all sorts, really, because they were in the wilderness, hey. Yeah, it's a bit of a uh, bit of a theme running through these quiz questions here by the looks. Oh, no, you're looking I, really I can. I, head, but I can see a theme here. Yeah, yeah. So Lyle's produced his own theme, Shell, I think, and so we can ask the quiz question at the end as a bonus. What do you reckon? And then he can give the answer at the end. Hey, what is that? So the the number to text in for that question is zero four nine one zero six four six six. Nine. What are what are they going in for the prize for? The draw is at quarter to nine on Friday morning. What is the prize? Tell okay, us. Okay, so the prize is the Revive Cafe Cookbook Six. Mm. So I'm looking at this cookbook right now. It's a book. It has words in it. 
<laughs> about food. About food. Fancy that. Now, why anyone would read words about food when they could simply eat food <laughs> is beyond me. You are not a reader of recipes, are you, Lyle? You're just giving that away I now. I do not believe I've ever read a recipe in my life. <laughs> but I think the idea behind this is that you can read the words about food and then you can make the food and then... Well, that's what recipes are, hey. Eat the food. Yeah, absolutely. Which would be amazing. So can you pick one out there for us that kind of jumps out at you? That I mean, because the, the pictures are amazing, of course. Jeremy sure. Dixon, we had on our on our show last week interviewing him, and he does his own photos. And they're absolutely oh, spectacular because it, it makes you salivate just looking at the pictures. So what have we got, Okay, actually? so there's, there's a recipe here that is familiar to me. Oh. Yes, baked beans. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> See, for those of you, those of you, you know, it's been a while since I've been on the breakfast show. And for those of you who might forget, cooking is something that, you know, I would rather poke a sharp screwdriver in my eye than do anything in the oh kitchen. Oh dear, don't even do that one though. But obviously that is, okay. that's a giveaway that sure does all the cooking at home. I hey? might be exaggerating this a little bit. Okay, this is, this is, okay, listen to this. Yep. It's not just baked beans. It is smoky Boston. Baked beans with avocado oh, salsa. Oh, yum. That sounds amazing. And, and there can... are lots more words on the pages, on the page, uh-huh. in relationship to this particular then dish. Then on the back of a baked beans can. Then on the back of a baked beans can. <laughs> I knew that one. How did I knew that was coming? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Hey, what's another one there, just really quickly? I, that one there, where your hand is. Because that's a brownie. No, you don't want to. You don't want to. You don't want to read this one. This one's. This one's. No, no, no. Let's avoid this one. This one is amazing velvet brownie slice. Oh, jumbo, jumbo. Yeah. Okay. My mouth is definitely watering. Okay. I can can actually see the point. Flicking through this book, I can start to see the point of a of a book about food. So, do you think you'd ever get to the point of actually wanting to try and read it and make it, or would you just pass it over to Shell? Oh, I can think of – I would definitely pass this over to Shell and I can think of uh, lots of other applications for this book because there are lots of people in the world who are very different from me. <laughs> That's so good. All right. That's an awesome cookbook. All right. So that question again was, what was the meat that God gave the Israelites in the wilderness? Text us your answer on 0491 and you'll go in the draw for the Revive cookbook. Hey, some good news, Lyle. I thought this was a really good um, story fitting with what we've just started uh, in our Bible studies, actually, because we're actually looking at mission for the next few weeks, mission from the Bible. And this one's actually about mission of returning citizens. So basically in the USA, there are three men, I'm sure there's more, but these key three young men were actually in prison for a period of uh, quite a period of time. And they actually got into cooking um, things from virtually nothing in the prisons. And they've actually come out and all three of them have ended up being chefs and not just any kind of chef, but well-known chefs now and chefs, all of them with fabulous missions. So one one of them is named Keith Corbin. He spent 10 years in prison and is now an award-winning chef at his restaurant that is called Alta Adams, spelled A-L-T-A, and it makes good food from nothing, which is absolutely fa- fabulous. He also had a big connection with food before he actually went into prison. He used to help his grandmother, who actually would cook at, catch this, 5 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> she must have been yeah. Italian or something. But she actually grew tomatoes in the backyard. She would go and pick them, make them, you know, 
do things fresh from the yard, which was amazing. Yeah, that's the very best way to cook ever. You, you mentioned you said something a minute ago that you said makes good food from nothing. Yeah, from virtually all, well, no, not so much from nothing. Well. Uh, things that we want to expand on that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. So flavorless types of things. So things that we wouldn't right. typically use. Because you know how, like, all of us like to flavor the food. I mean, you were looking through the cookbook. And I know Jeremy likes to do a lot of cooking, even with things like turmeric, cumin, some say cumin, cumin, coriander, those sorts of things. Things that flavor up our food. Mm. But, you know, in prison, you don't have those choices quite so much. And so, yeah, basically from things that are flavorless and not much stuff. So that's why I kind of said almost from virtually from nothing type stuff. Yep, okay, yep, so yep. good clarification request there. Prison food. Prison type food, yeah. yeah. So the thing is, you know, he's come out and he's, and he was basically, yeah, he's basically running his own thing. Here's another one. Michael Carter is a chef and executive in Down North Pizza, sorry, in Down North Pizza in Philadelphia. He employs incarcerated mess, men who are returning citizens to the community. So he calls them returning citizens. I love that kind of phrase because that's what his mission is to actually help them get back into the community mm-hmm. and have a kind of, you know. Give them a start, give them a reference. Absolutely. Give them an opportunity to get back to, you know, being a responsible citizen. A responsible citizen, that's right. So he offers halfway homes as well near the shop. So his shop is actually now listed in the New York Times with the best on the best pizza list, uh, place to go when you go to New York. There you go. <laughs> um, and his experience when they actually asked him, so he actually went to actually do writing classes after he came out of prison for food professionals. And when he came out, they asked him, well, what's your experience? He said, well, I've been cooking for 2,000 men in prison. They said, well, yeah, yes, that's, that's, that's a lot of people. That's a, that's a significant amount of experience right there. Um, absolutely. So he says here that the mission he has is to have a voice and tell people of the plight, these are his words, to have a voice and tell people of the plight in our community of returning citizens. And I think that's a fantastic mission. So, you know, it's a mission-driven restaurant. The last one is a lady, is Sharon Richardson. She, she was 20 years in the New York prison and she employs women who were previously in prison as well and also have a history of domestic violence and she helps them achieve their goals and become leaders and rebuild their lives and she offers food service on a fellowship program for the women which I think is absolutely fantastic. Now here's the thing there's more than 600,000 people released from prison in the US per year. So it's a chunk of people. It's a massive chunk of people, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And so this is just a small snapshot of what is happening with some of them as they're coming out. And it's keeping them out of the prisons, which is fantastic. And, you know, my mind goes to the fact that, you know, we are all prisoners on this earth of sin. Mm-hmm. We're slaves to sin, you know. And yet through Jesus Christ, we have the freedom. And he does, you know, what these kind of guys are doing, but even better, what Jesus does is he, he the mission was for him to come to this earth and of course to save us and the beautiful and to transform lives and to transform lives absolutely in in every way and so you know i think of romans 6:18 that has says you have been set free from sin have become slaves to righteousness you now you are free from your slavery to sin and you've become slaves to righteousness you know that that whole promise of freedom that we have in jesus and of course righteousness is being right with god and that through Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven. And, you know, to the Father, because of Jesus Christ, we can stand, um, as, you know, as though our sins are pure as white as snow. And I love that, hey? So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what Jesus is all about is, you know, changing people's lives around. And so, you know, if that's what his... 
That's what, if, what, if that's what his mission is, then our mission should be the same thing. Absolutely, in every way, you know, and helping people to find a better life. My son's worked with uh, people in a very similar situation. So mm-hmm. um, in his trade, working with people who are on a release program where, you know, they're working them back into society. And so, you know, they leave prison, go to work for the day, go back to prison for the evening. And, you know, over time they then reintegrate wow, them. And it's just a, yeah, it's a, great. It's a great opportunity to really uh, help people get back to a responsible lifestyle. Absolutely. And there's chaplains around Australia who actually work and do prison ministry and lives are changed. And they have little chapels in the prison, which is great. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Lyle, can you give us the next quiz question, please? Okay, next quiz question is, true or false, Isaac was the only biblical patriarch who did not leave Canaan. Is that true or false? Mm, good question. Text us in your answer on 0491 That question one more time, please, Lyle. Isaac was the only biblical patriarch who did not leave Canaan. Mm, is it true or false? Text us in your answer to 0491064669. And we've already got text messages coming through with answers as well as David says, pray Lawson recovers well and welcome brother Lyle, who I got to have the pleasure to meet at Mornington Camp near Harvey in Western Australia. Uh, we had a great men's camp over there, so much fun. That's fantastic. Hey, where are we going to say hello to, to our listeners today? A uh, big shout out to all of our listeners in Caloundra, Queensland hey. on April. 88.0. Fabulous. Caloundra, of course, is in the Sunshine Coast. It's right there on the beach, a beautiful spot, very relaxing spot, and lots of folk like to go there. I've got friends that go there virtually every Christmas as yeah. well. So yeah. have you been to Caloundra? Many times. Oh, there you go. Lovely I've been part of a, the world. I've only been there once, but really nice place. Hey. Where are we going with our news today? I know you mentioned about Chris Minns. You meant the pre- premiere last night, our New South Wales premiere. Share what you've got. Okay, so very interesting. Went to this uh, multi-faith dinner last night. So people from all faiths right across New South Wales. There were people, you know, obviously from a Christian background, but also from uh, an Islamic background. There were Hindus, there were Buddhists, there were Jewish people that all spoke at this particular uh, gathering. And it's interesting to see the issues that are affecting people of faith. So people of faith in New South Wales is about 47%. Uh, We have the highest... So that's almost half. We have oh, the, the highest population. level of we have the highest level of faith in Australia. True, and do, the, do we know the reasons why New South Wales got the higher number? No, I have not researched the reasons why, but this is only a recent development because okay. we used to be a majority, but in the last you know five to ten years we've minority. become a become a minority, and this raises some interesting questions because uh, religion is not a protected attribute in Australia. And it is not a protected attribute in New South Wales. So mm. even though it's never been uh, legislated at a federal level, there's no federal protection for people of faith. Uh, there's many other attributes, of course, you know, race and, and sexual orientation, and mm. of course, are all protected attributes. Mm-hmm. Pretty much every attribute out there is protected except religion. The reason that, one of the reasons that it's never been protected in the past is because religion has always been in the majority. Mm-hmm. So people of faith have always been the majority and you do not need protections for the majority because it has its own protection simply by being by the majority. By being the majority, yeah. that's right. Uh, that's no longer the case. 
Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of the challenges that was put to Chris Minns last night was to investigate, you know, what can we do to protect uh, religion as an attribute in uh, New South Wales? Great and important question, yeah. And one of the really vexing questions that is facing New South Wales right now, of course, is uh, whether this government will... Uh, strip LGBT plus people mm. of the right to choose the counselling that best suits them. Mm. Because this is what's been done in Victoria. Mm-hmm. In Victoria, uh, LGBT people do not have the right to choose their own counselling. They can only choose counselling that directs them one direction. Mm. So you can choose counselling to become... To become, To, to yeah. transition, but not to detransition. Yes. You can yeah. choose counselling to... Uh, you, you know, to move towards same-sex attraction, but not to move move away from it. So, if you are same-sex attracted and you don't want to be, you feel uncomfortable being same-sex attracted. You are. It's illegal in Victoria to choose counselling that would enable you to not be same-sex attracted. Yeah, for instance. Yeah, and so we have wondered. We've had these conversations a little bit before, haven't we? That yes. we've wondered whether, of course, New South Wales will follow suit with well, they are, Victoria. They are definitely, definitely investigating following suit right now. And so this is going to be a major challenge for uh, Chris Minns as Premier of New South Wales and particularly a Labor Premier because, you know, the, the, the Labor Party, the left wing, has, you know, tra- championed these causes mm. um, of what's called anti-conversion therapy legislation. And when you look at the past, there is has been a lot of, you know, uh, conversion therapy that has been very harmful for people. Yeah, and we don't want to see that happening. But th- these are these are these are things that have not happened in Australia for the last fifty years, and so in effect they're bur- banning nothing because nobody does this anymore. Mm. You know, nobody's going around giving people electric shock treatment to change their sexual mm. orientation. That mm. doesn't exist anymore. So why do we have to have legislation banning that? We do have people who feel uncomfortable with their orientation or who feel uncomfortable with their gender and we're banning them from seeking the therapy that they want to choose. The other thing that is really, really concerning about this is that what it does is it bans prayer. It bans you from praying for somebody. You know, somebody can call me from Victoria right now. And by the way, if you're in Victoria and you want to call me and you want to ask me to pray for anything at all, I will pray for you. Yeah, well, regardless of what that is. Well, as ministers, that is something that we just naturally do, don't That's what we? We, do. we actually want to offer prayer because we know that God is the one that does the transforming the heart of the person and leads them. And so here, what we're being told is that it's you know it's going to be banned. You know, with That's the what a Christian does. And so, and the moment you start banning prayer, it has echoes of the French Revolution. Mm. And that is very, very concerning. That's a slippery slope. People say, oh, there's no such thing as a slippery slope. Well, that's a denial of human nature. Mm-hmm. Human nature is a slippery slope. Unless you understand basic human nature, then you don't understand where uh, the slippery slope is coming from. One of the other major issues with this, of course, is the breakdown of the family. Mm. Wherever you've got the breakdown of the family, you've got breakdown of society. So, for instance, uh, if you look at people who are, are incarcerated, the absolute minimum, you know, in the best case scenario, 70% of those people did not have a father while they were growing up. And that's really high and significant, isn't it? Oh, because, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, in, in, in every way. So if you break up the family, if you remove children from the right to have... S- opposite sex parents 
then what you are creating is a society that is going to have a higher level of criminality. That's going to affect the economy and the job of government is to produce good society and strong economy. Yeah. And so these are policies that produce bad society and poor economy. Yep. So these are some major challenges and that so what was, we're facing. What was Chris's views on some of that of what you've just mentioned? Well, uh, the great thing is that Chris has a, agreed to come on the show and talk about these, and so we're going oh, to be the, able okay. To so we don't want to let the cat out of the bag now. You know, okay. Asking these questions <laughs> directly because that's then you will hear it direct from his mouth and not me saying, yep. "Well, I was there and he said this." Yes. Yeah. You can hear what he has to no, say. No, that's great. That's yeah. great. and that's always the best way, isn't it? But yep. just concerning times that are ahead of us. In every way, like if prayer is being limited and the choices, you know. And, of course, another aspect, you know, something that is uh, very close to our heart um, here on Faith FM because we promote a healthy lifestyle is that, you know, Australia has led the world Mm. in uh, things like reducing smoking. Yes. Uh, The problem is that now the tobacco companies have found the back door through vaping. Mm-hmm. All right, so what are we going to do about this? You know, this is an issue that needs to be faced here in this state. Um, and, of course, you know, I, I will say this is that uh, Chris Minns has opposed the legalisation of marijuana, and I think that's a, a, a definite positive. We have way too many mm-hmm. legal drugs already without adding more mm-hmm. to legal recreational drugs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's, it's created its own social problems, you know, wherever it has existed. And so, yeah, I think that... Uh, you know, credit where credit is due. Absolutely. Um, he also he also opposed the uh, euthanasia bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, it still went through, of course. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is going to this this bill is going you know the kill bill is going to create just absolute havoc for um, aged care that is faith based. There is so much faith based aged care in New South Wales, and if you force all of the faith-based aged care to simply close, Mm. then what's that going to result in? What is that going to result in in every way? That's right. It's a disaster for our state. Faith-based retirement villages, but also um, the the um, villages, nursing homes, but also you've got those who are faith-based in the nursing homes, whether they are Christian ones or not, that are then challenged in their minds at times when they're really suffering quite badly, not because they're letting go of God, but because when you're lying on the bed, so many things surface in your mind and the devil plays on your mind. And so here is a really challenging situation from every angle then, isn't it? Absolutely. And uh, we we should be providing care, particularly emotional and mental care for people who are in aged care rather than bringing the option of suicide. You know, if you're already having those dark thoughts, the last thing you need is someone bringing you that particular option. Absolutely. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. What's our next question, please, Lyle, before we go to our interview, please? Okay, next question to be in the draw for the Revive Cafe Cookbook 6 is this one right here, Proverbs 24, compare wisdom to what kind of food? All right, so Proverbs 24 compares wisdom 
to what kind of food if you know the answer the number to call is 0491 that number again 0491 and you go into the draw when you actually answer the questions and you text them through for the Revive Cookbook by Jeremy Dixon Revive Cookbook number 6 full of fabulous mouthwatering salivering if there's such a word um, <laughs> recipes so I'm sure there's a word We'll invent yeah, it even if there is. We'll invent some of these words. Hey, that number again is 0491 It's come time for our interview with none other than Jennifer Skews. Hello, Jennifer. Are you there? I'm here. Hello, welcome back once again. Good to have you on the (laughs) show, Jennifer. And we've got Lyle in with us today. And last, I heard, yeah. So yeah, two different. Well, some one different one of us today because Lawson's not well. But hey, we were talking last time about the emotional roller coaster, and you also mentioned about the book Deadly Emotions by Don Colbert. Mm -hmm. Um, And that emotional emotion equals energy in motion so are we talking further on emotional roller coaster today or where are we going well we're going to keep working on emotions and what they are and how they function and how we can get off that roller coaster because it's not just a one-off thing i think understanding emotions because we can't see them they're what we call that feeling that comes up and it's as we said it's hard to describe and emotions rule our world it's they even do. though in, yeah, intelligence is important, but if we don't feel right, everything's not right. Mm. So I think this is the most important topic that I know our listeners are most interested in because what I treat when I have people come to see me, it's all about the way they're feeling yes. or not feeling. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> so today I was going to look at IQ versus what we call EQ, which is to do with emotional intelligence. Now, we know what our IQ is. People go, oh, I've got a good IQ. I don't think my IQ is very good. It's actually measuring reasoning and our functional capacity, using our mind to process information, to do mathematical things, to comprehend things. It's really separate from our emotions. Mm. Interestingly, it was IQ was first um, measured or looked at in France in the early 1900s, and it was initially to measure children's capacity to function and how well they're functioning in their education system. Mm. And so it was never designed for adults, but of course it's been latched onto over the years and used to measure our IQ. And I, I don't know what your memories are, but um, you, I can remember the where even work environments would do an intelligence test. This was a few years ago oh, now. Wow. Mm. Yeah, that a few decades ago, you could say, that um, to see if they would employ someone. And then mm. it branched into personality tests if mm. they would employ someone. Um, but this is where IQ was a valued thing, and there are all these people of a very, very high IQ. So we're going to look at that a little bit. So what does it mean to have a high IQ? What, mm. do, what do you two think? What does it mean? If I say you've got a high IQ, what am I saying? A high IQ. Some of that is just like really highly intelligent in every way and seems to just be functioning at a very high 
level and they seem to be doing a lot of education usually i think <laughs> I, I would i would i would think of somebody who i would think of somebody who you know does exceedingly well at you know university yes. um gets you know phd's all of these yes. kind of things that that's that's what i would think of yeah, well, they're intellectual high achievers, aren't they? Oh, that, that's the word we were looking for. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but when it comes to intellect, if we function solely on intellect, which there are people who are just highly intelligent, when you've got a high IQ, you actually function too much on that level. Mm-hmm. And often people with a high IQ really struggle emotionally, struggle to actually function on a practical, realistic level in life at times mm. um, because they're so focused on the, what they're thinking and how they're processing. Um, and you've probably heard the term over-intellectualize. Mm-hmm. Or, mm, or, so- or is this where the classic absent-minded professor comes from? I think so. <laughs> High IQ, but not good functional capacity to be just to come down to earth and do realistic things in life, just self-care, look after yourself, do the mundane things. Um, you can get stuck in your intellect and we can do with, too with, much thinking. With, 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 with pastors, we often talk about those who are so heavenly minded they are of no earthly use. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that. So that might be a, that might be a pastor who has a high IQ. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with a high IQ. No, we need they, those guys because they they, they do research, they produce yes. knowledge that we yes. can all benefit from. But they have to learn to look after themselves and do the realistic things as well, and that's where some of them struggle. So we can have uh, such a high IQ that it can actually not do well for us in life and then people it's hard to connect with people on the iq how do we connect with other people Mm. by spending time with them and being yeah Yeah. just connecting with them in different ways around the dinner table in you know activities and things like that yeah and crying together and laughing together Yes, but when you look at that, if you're just using your IQ, how can you connect with someone who is just working on that intellectual intelligence? Mm. Can you connect to them? I'm talking about connecting on other ways, on a more personal level. Yeah. You can't. No, no, you can't. And mm. and I think they also tend not to understand people that have got, you know, a more of a heart response then too. Yes, so this is where we've got the head can rule the heart or can mm-hmm. shut the heart down. And when you look at IQ, you if you look at an iceberg, when you see an iceberg in the ocean, you're just seeing the little bit at the top, but underneath is a huge mass. And that's what IQ is. It's like that iceberg and the IQ is a little bit we see at the top and underneath is the emotional content huge mm. so right? I, so Jennifer is it uh, the emotional side with these folk mm-hmm. can it tend to be still learned if they choose to like to do yes. better because I've come yes. across some that just are so <coughs> stuck on things yes things that they're just not interested in have got no interest at all in people uh, you know in relationships and have got no yes, care yeah. no care for what they say and what they do with people in those yes uh-huh. and when with what happens with iq you can it is inherited right mm-hmm. we we have a genetic capacity for an iq but we can it it's not a static factor it's in a continuum so we can improve our intelligence by, you know, children who do a lot of book reading and parents who uh, help them with learning at a young age develop a good IQ. Those who um, actually 
sit in front of a TV, go online and do all these, uh, you know, uh, social media things actually inhibit their IQ. Mm. So lots of watching TV and playing games and being on the computer and stuff can actually reduce your IQ. Well, it could reduce your, it might help you to learn mathematically or whatever, but it doesn't give you the capacity to use your IQ in an intelligent way mm. because you're not having that interaction. Social interaction is important, and that's where the emotional side or what we call emotional quotient or emotional intelligence kicks in. Mm-hmm. So we've got to have a have that both of that reality. Emotional quotient, which so we've got an IQ and an EQ. Mm. But now they refer to emotional intelligence, which is the bigger part of our life. And we don't inherit that capacity. We learn it. Mm. Okay. So where do we learn to be emotionally intelligent? Well, uh, firstly at home, isn't it really? That's the <laughs> yes. first place really. Yeah, well, it's when we're in the womb connected to the mother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We actually take on board the mother's emotions, like wire them in the brain about a month before we're born. Mm, wow, there you go. That's amazing. Yeah. That's just it incredible. It is, isn't it? And it says something for people that, you know, that for, for women that are pregnant to, yes. you know, to stop and consider and, and, and for families. What you're putting in. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This is why parents who I've heard of who read to their child in the womb, who love the child, who sing to it, who play music, you know, it works. You know, that child is resonating, responding because it's a, uh, the dynamic of the mother. If the mother's happy and secure, that's what is wired into the brain before they're born, then it is developed. But if it's the other way around where mum's on her own, where she feels rejected, abandoned, abused in any way, is depressed, anxious, sad, grieving, you know, it might be, it, certainly I'm not blaming mums, but this is what can happen. Life dishes those things out. Mm. Um, yeah, and this is where I believe our spiritual journey um, with having a child is also important, very important. Mm-hmm. Because a mother who is connected to God, prays, has the love of God, that child is going to develop a healthier emotional intelligence mm. because mm. of it. So it's an all-round factor. But emotional intelligence is what we want to work with, and that's what I'm working with when I am seeing the people who come to see me or even with doing these talks, getting off the emotional roller coaster. It's about getting a balance in life, an emotional balance, because that is what brings us unstuck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have a look. When we're feeling certain ways, if I'm having a bad day and I'm feeling a bit down, I'm more likely to say something that might be appropriate or uh, treat people in, in a way that isn't appropriate. It's not because of my intellect, it's because of the way I'm feeling. Mm. And so how can we actually monitor and balance that emotion, get that emotional balance? Okay. First of all, we need to look at like monitor feelings. Mm-hmm. Our feeling capacity to do that, it can be damaged pre two because from when we're born to when we're two, about two years of age, we have an emotional brain and a survival brain. The baby has to survive and it shows a range of emotions. So it's absorbing its life and surrounds and interaction and everything that goes on. It's programming it in the brain emotionally. Mm. At about the age of two, you get the intellectual development mm. where the thinking brain starts to actually 
develop and then it starts to reason um, and develop. The, that's when the IQ starts to express that development. Mm-hmm. Um, so if the child is securely attached and happy and feeling safe, then that emotional balance will start to develop. And mm-hmm. the mother, part of the mother's role pre too is to be able to help that child to soothe and balance emotionally. So if they recognise the baby's upset, they'll go and they'll soothe and calm and touch um, so that's important, and that's where the baby's learning to self-regulate emotionally. Mm. If that doesn't happen, then uh, from about two on, we're what we call emotionally dysregulated, where mm. we cannot self-regulate emotionally. So that means we either on the emotional roller coaster from about that time, tantrum children, children who are constantly emotionally reactive, or we go the other way of having to control, excessively control our emotions. That- so then we suppress them or we get anxious and have to control the emotion. That's power- That's interesting what you're saying. That's really powerful that really from such such a young age, Absolutely. we're already determining what will be happening in our adult years yes. by the kind of envir- emotional environment that we yes. actually have and then also our emotional development and whether yes. it's healthy or unhealthy that's right it. from those early years. Wow. Now, you can grow emotionally. If you're being told to grow up, stop being like a baby, <laughs> stop, you know, like, you know, you're an adult now. We, we get, And it's not about the IQ, it's about the EQ. Mm-hmm. It's what we're doing emotionally that determines, mm-hmm. you know, if someone's not coping emotionally, they oh, get a life. Mm-hmm. You know, what have you got to worry about? Mm-hmm. Things like that. But what we can do, we can learn and grow emotionally and we can develop our emotional quotient or intelligence by recognizing we're out of order emotionally and finding ways to pull back and not action our emotions all the time. We can either be too high or too low emotionally. Mm, That's the roller coaster. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Love what you're saying there, really. So monitoring the feelings that we can grow emotionally and also develop our emotional quotients yes. really are the three key things that really come out from that. Yes. In, yeah. And, and that's what therapy can be about, why people get help, because they're out of order emotionally and they've never learned to regulate their emotions. So they can learn and when they then gravitate to better models who have emotional balance and they feel safe and secure, that helps their emotional balance as well. Love what you're saying, Jennifer. It's just powerful stuff. Really so it much is. to absorb from today. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And, um, yeah, emotionally, emotional, um, um, intelligence is vital for all of us. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.